0: is now an official sponsor of Cornerstone, and no, man, the first time I saw that, I could not stop laughing, because we've all been there, right, we've all been that moment where you go, okay, I I just don't think there's an easy way out of this, and a moment you thought, man, if if I tell the truth, I mean, if I say that out loud, that could be really expensive for me. And, and we've all been tempted to kind of shave the corner, turn the conversation a little bit, maybe, because maybe, maybe, it just, it, it seemed in the moment that the easiest way from here to there was just a lie. We, we've all uh, had that moment where we were uh, maybe telling a story, and, and, and what was maybe just kind of an average story with, with, with just a little bit of embellishment, I mean, just a little bit of exaggeration, your and my average story could make you and I look like heroes, and suddenly we found ourselves going bigger, wider. We, we've had moments that we were in trouble, and, 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 and in that moment we said, look, here's I get it. I get that I shouldn't have, and I, I won't. I mean, I've already figured this out. I will not do that again. But if I admit it, I mean, if I confess to that, if I tell the truth, I mean, then I've got all sorts of things coming down on me. So look, here's the deal. As long If I could just get out from under this, and then I won't do it again. So in moments when a lie just seemed the most expedient thing uh, to do. We're going to have a conversation today about uh, this topic of honesty. Matter of fact, I, I found a, a survey uh, that said the average person, ready for this, lies twenty-five times every day. Isn't that remarkable? And and you and I last week we came to this uh, thing that said, look. Uh, you and I, in the course of our lives, use an awful lot of words. And, and the vast, vast, vast majority of, of most of the words that you and I are say really probably don't have very much eternal consequence. We're just saying, hey, can you believe the thunderstorms yesterday? Uh, wow, uh, you know, uh, things uh, things were hectic in, in our house this morning. As we, had, A lot of what we say and talk, it, it doesn't have any eternal consequence. And that's okay. But what we said is that there are words... <laughs> The, the important thing is to know that there really are two other categories, two other buckets in which our words go into. And last week, we kind of probed this idea that said, you know, our words have the capacity to wound and to cause harm. We, we have the ability to say things to people that will forever mark their lives. They, they will never forget that you and I said that. The, the wound that we caused in that moment to win the argument, to uh, get our way… <laughs> That may be a lifelong uh, wound. And we just said, look, there there are words that if we understood the darkness, we we would never make another deposit. We we would pray like David prayed last week and just simply said, hey, God, would you put a guard over my mouth? When I am mid-sentence, when I start to go there, if I, I begin to gossip or if I begin to lash out in anger with my words, would you stop me before they even come tumbling out of my mouth? It is better to say nothing than to say words that wound and hurt and leave marks. But we also talked about and, uh, this idea that, that you and I have this incredible capacity and power uh, to say the right word at exactly the right moment to say the right thing, to, to send somebody on a completely different course in their lives, that, that you see in them something they never saw in themselves and you say it out loud and they say, I never even considered, I didn't imagine that That you and I in a moment of honesty say, look, I, this is something that you need to work on and they go, wow, you know, I, I, I knew that was true, but I I needed someone to tell me that in our life. For you to, and I to encourage somebody who's uh, in a moment of ready to give up and maybe walk away from God and you say, look, I've been there and I've felt the same way and, and we can do this together. And that you and I have the capacity that the right word said at the right moment has the ability to change uh, somebody's lives. Today, we're going to talk about this topic of honesty. And despite the fact that, guys, I know, I know there are moments that, that for you and me that it just feels like the quickest way, the easiest path to get where we got to get, that, that, the, that the thing that's going to cause the least resistance and get the fewest number of people angry feels like deception. It feels like if, if, if we just kind of twist that moment of truth, it, it's actually the easiest way to get there. And here's what we're going to discover together today. That even though in the short term dishonesty may seem like the best policy, that it always, always, always costs me more than being honest. It always has a greater price tag in my life. And that you and I never, ever, ever want to make a dishonest deposit with our mouths. So if you have your Bibles, go with me today. We're going to take a look at a character in the Bible who, who was living in a moment, and he thought, look, if I'm going to get what I want to get in, if I'm going to achieve what I want to achieve, I can't get there being truthful. I can't get there uh, being honest. The only way I'm going to land that one is by manipulating the moment, by uh, a little bit of deception, but in the end, at least I'm getting where I need to get. And his story is in the book of Genesis, so it's going to be right in the uh, front of your Bible. Uh, Genesis chapter 27. So while you're going there, let me uh, set the story up just a little bit. It's the story of a, a guy by the name of Jacob. His grandfather is Abraham. His father is a guy by the name of Isaac, uh, who if you know your Bible stories, know that one day Abraham takes Isaac on the side of the hill and uh, is willing to offer him as a sacrifice to God because God had asked that. That's his father, Isaac. And now Jacob is uh, Abraham's uh, grandson. And there comes a moment uh, when his father is getting older and it's time to pass on the family blessing. The one problem being this, Jacob is the second born. Which means he'll receive a lesser blessing, and his brother Esau is going to end up being the head of the family and receiving a double inheritance. And Jacob just says, look, that's, that's not acceptable. I mean, I, I ought to be head of this family, and if anybody should get a double portion, uh, it, it ought to be me. And uh, the problem is, if I just sit back and do nothing, if I just wait for this to unfold, it's, it's all going to go the wrong direction. I'm going to have to insert myself. I'm probably going to have to pull a sneaky here. His father is aged out enough and and old enough that his eyesight is almost uh, completely gone. And he announces to the family one day Look, uh, before I die, I'm going to go ahead now and pass on uh, the leadership of the family. I'm going to pass on uh, this blessing to the firstborn. Jacob sees the moment. Uh, Dad is mostly blind. If I could right now deceive him just a little bit, I, I could win. Isaac uh, says to his son, Esau, hey, look, uh, you make this great stew, that uh, venison stew, it, it's just out of this world. So here's the deal. Go out, uh, go in the field, kill one of the animals there, make that stew. And once you make that stew, we're gonna come back, I'm gonna pass on uh, the birthright to you, double portion of all the inheritance. In that moment, Jacob, conniving with his mother, decides to steal the birthright now some maybe would say, look, Lynn, I mean, the guy is living in a completely dysfunctional family. I mean, dad clearly has favorites. He likes Esau. Esau's kind of a man's man, hunter, get out there. Jacob's more uh, polished than that, uh, maybe more sophisticated than that, and he's absolutely the favorite of his mother. And, uh, and so by all rights, you get why uh, this family is already in disarray. But his mother comes to him and says, okay, Jacob, here we go. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to slay instead one of the lambs. I'm going to season it up so much with spices. Your dad'll never know the difference. Only problem we've got is that your brother Esau is hairy. I mean, this guy is hairy. And uh, this is before no, no. So yeah, we're in trouble. And they come up with this plan that they're going to take the hides of animals and strap it on his chest and strap it on his arms so that if his blind father begins to reach out, he'll believe that this is his older brother, Esau. And so sure enough, uh, they cook the stew, uh, they wrap Jacob up uh, in these uh, animal skins, and they send him in the tent to deceive his father. And that's where you and I uh, pick it up. It's Genesis chapter 27, starting in verse 19. Here it goes. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, son? The Lord your God gave me success. Isn't that interesting? In a moment of absolute deception, Jacob calls on the name of God to establish his credibility. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so that I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are my son Esau or not. And Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, uh, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands uh, and the ar- are, are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked? I am, Jacob uh, replied. Then he said, my son, bring me uh, some of the game uh, to eat so that I may give you the blessing. And Jacob uh, brought it to him and he ate and he brought him some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field uh, that the Lord has blessed. What's the smell of the field? I'm just thinking Esau probably needs to work on his cologne a little bit here. But uh, verse 28, may God uh, give you of heaven's dew and of earth's uh, riches, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. See, if, if you would ask Jacob in the moment, he'd say, see, I, it, I did it. I mean, I, I took the shortest route to get to where I wanted. It only required a little bit of deception to get there. So let me ask a question. What qualifies as a lie? What, what is it that you and I say or do that fits into this category of dishonesty? Now, one of the things is, is just straight up. I mean, every one of us would be able to identify it. It's a moment in which you know exactly what the truth is, and you decide uh, to say something completely different because it works uh, to your advantage. I know a guy who tells a story about he and his friend, and, and they'd scheduled to go out on Saturday and, and do some golfing together. And on Friday night, is, his friend calls him up and says, look, uh, I, I've been called out of town by my company, and I've got to go on a trip. I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to, to be there tomorrow. I'm sorry about canceling at the last minute. And he said, I get it. I get things happen. So the next morning, he calls the golf course, apologizes. And then he says, well, you know, I, I might as well do something productive with my Saturday. And so he heads down to Home Depot. And as he's walking the aisles of Home Depot, lo and behold, who do you think he sees? His friend. And in that moment, he knows. He knows that his friend has lied. And he doesn't know why. He doesn't know, is, is it because he just doesn't really like me as a friend and didn't want to golf with... I mean. And even though he never went and talked to his friend about the lie you get that that relationship was never again gonna be quite the same. Because he said, I just don't know any other time when he tells me something, is he deceiving me? There's a, there, there's a second uh, category here. Um, it, it's the category of omission. It, it's a moment in which uh, everything that comes out of our mouths is true. Uh, We haven't lied about anything. But the difference here is, is that there was more truth to be told. In other words, if I had told you the rest of the story, uh, you would have had the information that you needed. And my withholding the information was in and of itself deceptive. A couple years back, Lisa and I... uh, I got one of those brochures that says, hey, uh, come, come for a, a timeshare uh, presentation, and uh, we'll give you um, a week in uh, Hawaii. Now, I, I don't know, but I, I hate those things, but at least it gets me, convinced me, a week in Hawaii. It was five nights on Maui. So before we ever went, I called the guy and I said, look, uh, are there like some hidden fees in here? And he goes, no, 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 no no hidden fees. Are there like some weird taxes? Are there some sort of service charges? I mean, you know, what? He goes, no, no. Five nights, hotel, totally covered. Matter of fact, and the hotel is on the beach. I thought, okay, I I can endure a whole lot of things for five nights in in Maui. So we went, they did the presentation. I told them, look, I'm a poor preacher, so it's not going to work. And uh, we got through it, but we had five nights. And so a few months later, uh, we flew, uh, sure enough, to Maui. I I should have realized when we uh, started to check into the hotel that something was wrong. Uh, As as I uh, headed to the room... Uh, you couldn't get anywhere near uh, the building that our uh, rooms were in that looked kind of like a dormitory. Uh, you actually had to park away, and there were no sidewalks to get there. Yet I had to carry my bags over like hundreds of yards of grass. And uh, I got to the front door, I looked to my left, and sure enough, uh, there was the beach. Uh, it was actually uh, the port. Uh, for Maui, and it was filled with freighter uh, ships, and the the odor of diesel was wafting past our room. I opened the door uh, to our room, and in the, the, probably what, 15 feet from the door to the other side of the room, four different types of carpet. Uh, Our closet, the closet was a wooden box with a pipe across it. The, the bedspread. Remember, remember those old velveteen bedspreads? Velveteen bedspread filled with, covered with cigarette burns, all over it. Uh, we hadn't been in the room for five minutes, and, and I'm going. That just feels weird. I, it's just like something's crawling on. Fleas, fleas. I, I left the room, and, and as I, we left the room, I turned the air conditioner down to about 50 degrees, turned on all the lights. I figured if, uh, if they were going to deceive me, they were going to at least pay the electric bill. Uh, I don't know if that was Christian or not, but it felt good at the time. <laughs> but you get, you get, you get purposeful omission. Because if they had said, hey, uh, your beach is uh, the freight harbor, we might have made different decisions. There's a, there's a third uh, category. Uh, it's, it's what I call uh, commission. So in other words, in the moment in which you and I said what we said, we meant it. Uh, we, we absolutely, um, in that moment, were telling the truth. We, we had uh, every intention. The problem is, is that since then, something better came up. And so now, we're not going to honor uh, what we said. It may have been truth when we said it, but now we're making it a lie based on our behavior. I had a friend a while back, and an opportunity came up, and he said, hey, I, I man, I really want to be considered for that opportunity. And here's what I knew. I knew that uh, if, if, if we went forward with that, there would be people who'd question and say, well, I don't know if he's ready for that yet. I, I don't know if that's a good decision. And I said, look, if, if, if we decide to give you this chance, I mean, you've got to promise me that you're going to work your head off because there's going to be people who question that we gave you this opportunity. He said, look, I, I swear, I swear. And I said, here's the other part. You gotta, you gotta tell me that you're not gonna leave anytime soon because uh, people are gonna be relying on you and, and you gotta tell me you're gonna be uh, hanging in there for a while. He said, look, I, I promise, I promise. Hmm. Another opportunity came up. Uh, two months later, he was sitting in my office and he said, hey, I'm, uh, I, I'm gonna do the other thing. I said, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. You, you sat in this same chair two months ago and you said to me, give me that chance. I swear to you that I will, I will bust my tail. I will work on this as hard as I can. You, you, you told me you were here for the long haul. You were going to do this. And, and he goes, I know. And here's his answer. You ready? When I said it, I meant it. And I said, I don't care that you meant it when you said it. I care that you don't mean it now. See, I don't, I don't care that when you told me that, you thought you were telling me the truth. I care that your behavior now makes it not the truth. This is, this is every husband who stands in front of a congregation and says, look, I will be faithful to her the rest of my life. And now he's running off with the secretary. See, I don't care what you said when you were 21 standing in front of a bunch of people in a tux. I care that today you don't mean it. See, this is, this is every mom who has said to their kids, hey, on Saturday we're going to the park. And now one of her girlfriends calls up and says, hey, look, we got shopping, it's half price. See, I don't care what you meant on Tuesday. I care that you don't mean it on Saturday. And, and there are moments in our lives that, we said, and when we said it, it was truthful. But now, how we have lived it has made it a lie. There's a, there's a fourth category, and we would we would say, it, it, it's just small stuff. It's small. It, it, it's it's little lies. It's it, it's what people call little white lies. And, and it's one of those moments where you go, look, I mean, it's not like anyone's going to get hurt and it's not like it was a big deal, but it's just, here's the deal. Telling the truth in this moment has the capacity to be really, really uncomfortable. And so I'm just going to fudge a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to make some room for myself by, by not telling the truth. And here's the problem. There's no such thing as a little lie. Because every lie costs the same. Let me say that again. There is no such thing as a little white lie. Because every lie you and I tell has the same price tag on it. And the cost is your integrity. Whether that lie was huge and mammoth or whether that lie was. Tell the salesman your mom's not home. It costs you your integrity. Years ago, I was serving as a youth pastor in a church in uh, Southern California. And uh, my secretary had gone on to another job. I had hired a new secretary. She'd been working for me for about three months. Uh, we went into summer season. And in summer season, if you know anything about youth, we were going on trips like Crazy. And uh, you'd come back from a trip, and you'd turn in all your receipts from a trip. And uh, as I did that, in the busyness of uh, summer, uh, you'd get back and, and you'd hand in all the receipts, and, and there'd be one missing for a couple bags of ice. And my secretary said, well, you know, what's this about? There's a, you're, you're $9 short. And I go, well, well, you know, we got to Exxon, and I sent one of the high school kids in. I said, hey, buy five bags of ice. Be sure and bring me the receipt. They're a high school kid. <laughs> they went in, they bought the five bags of ice, they came back to the bus, guess what they said? Oh, I forgot the receipt. I said, you know, that, that just, that's just kind of what happens. I mean, even adults do that sometimes. And so, you know, that's, but it was nine bucks, it was bags of ice, I know what it was. She ended up going to the elder board and telling them that I was stealing the nine dollars that uh, uh, the two or three discrepancies that we came in, $9 here, $7 there, $11 here. I surely must be buying myself, I guess, hamburgered. I don't, I don't know uh, what she thought. And so I found myself in a meeting with my secretary and the head of the elder board, bringing in all of my taxes for the previous couple of years so that I could say, look, you can't find one penny that I've spent that wasn't part of my salary. We, we got to the other end and the elder looked at me and said, look, Lynn, I totally believe you. I, I get it. I totally understand. But, but at least she didn't accuse you of something big. I said, you're absolutely wrong. Not only did she accuse me of something big, she insulted me violently. Because here's what she said. She said that I was willing to sell my integrity for nine bucks. And I'm just going to tell you, you know, if I'm going to steal, it's going to be a million bucks. (laughs) You're not going to buy me for nine bucks. I'm I'm not going to ask my friend to let me download their iTunes music and save myself 99 cents and give my integrity away. I'm not going to copy someone's workout video And sell my integrity for $39.99, three easy payments plus shipping. I'm not gonna do it. And what you and I have got to understand in the moment is that every time a lie leaves your lips, it costs you your integrity. So, what's the price? tell me tell me tell me huh? it's not a free video back to the passage jacob thinks he's he's scored i mean he's he's taken the shortcut he he said what he had to say he deceived who he had to deceive if you could ask Jacob in this moment, you say, look, I, I, I won. I mean, this is, this is what I was trying to say. Sometimes the easiest way to get from where you want to get to where you got to get is a little deception. And what Jacob does not foresee and doesn't know is that he has just dropped an atom bomb into the center of his family. That every relationship that he holds dear is about to implode on him. And you and I have got to take the moment to heart because here's what you need to know. The minute you and I inject deception into our relationships, we will blow them up. Here we go. It's back to the It's Verse uh, 41. Esau, his older brother, held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And he said to himself... The days of mourning for my father are near. So look, dad's on his deathbed. He's going to die soon. We'll do the funeral. But when that's over, I'm going to make this right. This isn't the last chapter in this story. And then I will, ready? And then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah, that's Jacob's mother, was told that her older son Esau had said, she went to her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is considering or consoling himself with the thought of killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban uh, in Haran. So you get the moment. He's… disfranchised from his brother now for who knows how long. He now no longer can be with his mother and the rest of his family because he's basically a fugitive on the run. And it's all because he took the short way to what he wanted. It's all because in the moment it seemed like a lie was the best way to go. And guys, here's what you and I have got to grab from the moment. The minute you and I inject dishonesty into our relationship, the relationship cannot be the same. Because here's the deal. I know in a moment you're going to go, whoa, whoa, here's the deal. They didn't really catch me in it. See, I, I was so sneaky and so, and I was able to talk my way around and, and, and they kind of suspected that maybe I was being, but here's the deal. I snowed them so, and, and they could never get there. They could never catch me in it. No, you're right. You're right it doesn't change the the thought that they're still pretty sure that you lied. And here's the problem. The moment that I know that you're willing to lie to get what you want, then here's what I know about you. I know that you are profoundly and deeply selfish. Selfish. I know that you're willing to do whatever you need to do to me to get what you want from me. I I know that you'll throw me under the bus to satisfy yourself. Here's the second thing. I no longer have any idea when you're telling the truth and when you're not. See, because the truth is if you really got it past me, if you really skirted it, and even though I suspected and now I can't catch you, then how do I know anything? And literally from this day forward, I have to wonder about every single thing you tell me. See, when, when I get to a moment and what you seem to be saying to me doesn't quite add up and I'm not sure, how do I depend? How do I believe that? Coming from your lips. Some of us in this room, we've taken the shortcut. We lied to get where we wanted to get. We fudged on the expense report. We lied about our mileage. And our employer didn't catch us in it. They didn't, they could never quite. But you can tell. Anything you say, they're not quite sure they believe you. You lied to your husband. It felt like in the moment you got away with it, and it felt like in the moment that you, you, you won. But the relationship's different now. Had a gal uh, working for us a couple years ago, and We got to a moment. I said, "Things you're saying, things that other—they don't add up, and it just—it just looks like deception." So I called her into my office and I said, "Look, I—I I can't get what you're telling me, and and things that I know—I can't get them to add up. They don't line up, and it just appears that there's that there is lying going on and deception here." And she assured me, "No, no, 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 no. It's just miscommunication. It's misunderstanding." Three weeks later. She was back in my office and I was having to sit her down and say, Look, I, I've been watching. I just want you to know, I, I, I mean, it's just obvious now. It's obvious that you've been deceptive, that you've lied. And I know that you, for your entire life, have dreamed about working for a church, And this is, but I'm going to let you go. And she was shocked. And I said, No, here's what you need to understand. Here's what I now know about you I know that you love yourself more than you love this church because you're willing to do whatever you need to do to satisfy you at our expense. And my problem is I've got you in a position where you're negotiating contracts, you're talking to people on the church's behalf and, the, and, and I don't know when you tell me something whether it's true or not. How do I, how do I go forward from here with you and not know at any given moment if you're being honest with me. <clears throat> and, and and here's what you need to know. The price of dishonesty is always. The relationships you want the most. It's interesting because as the story begins to unfold. <laughs> uh there is uh, Jacob and he's living uh, with Laban. And after a little while of being there, he's been kind of helping with tending uh, the sheep and, and uh, Laban calls him in and says, Jacob, it, you know, it's, it's probably not appropriate for you to work for me uh, for nothing. Uh, let's figure out a wage. What would be fair to pay you, Jacob? Now, this was the moment Jacob was waiting for because Laban has two daughters. The oldest one is named Leah. And scripture just simply says, she was weak to the eyes which I think probably is Bible code for, she wasn't much to look at. The younger sister, Rachel. Woo, Nelly. I mean, we're talking knockout. And so uh, Jacob says, I, here, here's my deal. I'll work for you for seven years. I don't have a, a bride's price to pay. I don't have a dowry to give. I'll work for you for seven years for no pay for your daughter, Rachel. And Laban says, well, no, that, that's a great deal. I, I, I would be happy uh, to do that. Uh, for you. And so Jacob begins to work for Laban for seven years. Now, here's the interesting thing. On his wedding night, Laban switches Leah for Rachel. So here we go. It's uh, Genesis chapter 29. So we're over a couple chapters. Here's what it says. Genesis chapter uh, 29, starting in verse 22. So Laban brought together all the people of the place, and he gave a feast. But then, uh, when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob, and Jacob lay with her. And Laban gave his servant girl Zilpah to his daughter for her maidservant. And when morning came, I love this next phrase, and when morning came, there was Leah. Yeah, I, I don't know, I mean, was the bride like totally covered over? Was the lamp a little dim in the tent? I don't know, I'm just telling you in the morning, Jacob wakes up and he goes, it's Leah. <laughs> you get that the schemer has been out-schemed. And guys, here's just what you need to know. That no matter in the moment No matter that right now It feels like you're getting away with it And it feels like you've got to the other side And it feels like that lying And just being deceptive Really was the easiest way to get what you want You just need to know That somewhere Some It will come back It will show up in your life If not for this very reason That honest people can't afford to be your friend anymore And the only people you can hang out and do life with Are other schemers An interesting part of this, and guys, I just, man. Jacob goes on to have 12 children, 12 sons. And in the process of having 12 sons, just like his father before him, he plays favorites. He's got one son that he loves more than the rest of his sons. Sound familiar? And the other sons become jealous. And one day they come in from the field and they say to Jacob, Jacob, here's the deal. You know the son you love more than the rest of us sons? A lion came by and killed your son, so he's gone. The younger son's name? Joseph. Who ends up sold into slavery to the Egyptians. And think about this. His very sons did to him what he had done to his father. And guys, you just need to know... That if you're a parent and you're in a household and when the phone call comes, you say to your kids, hey, tell them I'm not here. If they watch you in the moments when it, you know, it's, it's, it's convenient to lie and from the mouth of their parents come deception, you'll train your children. And don't be surprised if your lifestyle comes back on holidays. last part. If you don't get anything else, boy, get this, get this moment. Here's why this is crucial. There will be a moment in your life that you will need your integrity. There there will be a moment in your life that you you're, you're going to need someone to absolutely believe the words that come from your mouth, and if you have spent your lifetime chipping away at your integrity, giving it away in small little bits, you are going to be in desperate trouble because here's what's going to happen. Uh, Men, you're going to come home one day and uh, your wife's going to look at your phone and there's going to be a message on there from your secretary. And she's already had weird vibes about your secretary. She's already felt uncomfortable about this woman. And although there's nothing going on, she looks at that little email and and, and it's innocent enough, but taken the wrong way. And she's going to hold it. She's going to go, what is this? Ladies, your 16-year-old daughter is going to be dating the guy. The guy you prayed that she would never date. And you're going to see things and you're going to hear things in his conversation. And you're going to go to your daughter and you're going go, look, 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 look. I know, I know that he's telling you this. I'm just telling you, he's deceiving you. I'm telling you that he is playing you. And in that moment, you are going to need your daughter to be able to trust you and believe you. There's going to be a moment at work. And someone's going to come in and say, hey, it looks like $9 is missing on your expense report. And in that moment, you're not going to have any evidence to go on. You're just going to simply have to look your boss in the eye and say, I didn't do it. And here's the problem. If you have spent your life chipping away at your own integrity, if in the hardest moment you you took the easy way and you fudged the corners and you gave it away, in that moment, guess which block they're going to require? The one you can't give. And the only way... (laughs) The only way to beat this is if in the most uncomfortable and the hardest moments of your life, you have refused to be deceptive. If in the moments it would have been so easy to lie and so convenient to deceive, people around you have watched you Live that moment with honesty and integrity and do the hard thing so that when that phone salesperson calls on the phone, instead of saying to your kid, hey, tell him him dad's not here, you simply said, tell him dad doesn't want to talk. so that the people around you have noticed that time and time again, you've lived your life with truth. Because here's the thing you need to know. And in that moment, when the accusation comes, and guys, you just need to know, it's it's not going to be true. It's going to be a misunderstanding. But in that moment... moment, you're only going to have one card to play. You're going to have to push a card across that table to your boss. and Push a card toward your daughter and simply ask this question. When's the last time you saw me lie? And you need in that moment for your daughter to say, can't remember a time so that you can say and I'm telling you the truth now there will come and every one of us will get to a moment When we will desperately, desperately need the people around us to believe us. Anyone hear the really cool part? That if you and I have lived even the roughest moments of our lives with integrity, that when they come and they ask us for this box, you'll be able to give it because your integrity is intact. So we talked to you last week and we said, hey, uh, would you spend seven days? Would you spend seven days not saying words that wound? And we're just going to double it up today. I'm not only going to ask you to spend the next seven days not gossiping, not saying words that wound, I'm going to ask you to spend seven days being honest. That every word that comes from your lips would be the truth. Now, ladies, you're going to have to help us in this. You cannot ask us how you look. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> but seven days saying, look, anything, anything that comes out of my mouth, it'll be the truth. Or I won't say it at all. For seven days. And I, I get some of us in, in this room right now would say, hey, Lynn, I'm I mean, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to go that way. But here's what I just got to be honest about. My integrity, my integrity right now, it, it has so many holes in it. I, I've got way more than seven days to repair that, okay? But let, let me just give you a place to start. You know one of the most powerful things you can do? Call a foul on yourself. To go back to someone that you deceived and say, look, I, you remember three weeks ago when we were talking? Remember when I was 17 and I told you, I lied. I lied. And guys, that very moment, that very action is so remarkable in our culture today. It is so unexpected that there's a good chance they'll be willing to give you the block back again. seven days of speaking honestly with one another. Let's bow our heads. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we, uh, we come before you and, man, there are so many moments in our lives where it just looks like the most convenient thing, the least painful thing <laughs> is to fudge the truth, to offer a little bit of deception in the moment. And God, help us. Help us to understand and realize that the cost of dishonesty is always more than honesty. That the damage that we will do within our own lives and our relationships and in the lives of others is so devastating that we never again want to make a deposit of deception in our lives. all that would come from our lips would be true. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen.